I made these promises for better or for worse. And some days I don't feel great. And some days I'm energetically depleted or some days, you know, it's just like an emotionally challenging day or I have a a big work schedule or something. And that's going to happen in life. And we're going to go through hard things. But just because I'm in that space or just because we're going through a hard thing doesn't mean that our closeness has to suffer. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. What does it take to have a good relationship? Mm. We're professionals. We definitely are. We've been together for over five years, and we have it figured the fudge out. Yeah. I mean, and what about marriage? We're totally professional. Yeah. Year and a half down. <laughs> Come on, bring it, motherfucker. Right. There's thousands of people that that have kids and 20 plus year marriages that are listening to us, which they have I no idea. find, no, I find like, it's just, it's really interesting because I, I feel in some ways where I'm like, you have so much to teach me. Yeah. How could I have anything to teach you? And then I think about how we've devoted our lives to this. Exactly. And how we're, we're in people's relationships. Like we work our way into people's relationships and we help them discover who they truly are and what they really want in their relationship and what they want their life to look like and what they want their intimacy to look like. And so then I think, you know, when we get into it with our, the people that we work with, I'm like, oh, we do have a thing or two. And, uh, and that's really special. And both of us, I think both of us, certainly me, I'm consistently absorbing content that is relevant to what we do and our niche. And I'm steadily gathering tools and information, models and frameworks and examples and metaphors and all these things from people I admire and books that I read and audios that I listen to so that I have even more to be able to give to the people who opt into listening to us yeah, and following some of the things that we are sharing. We're immersed in it. We're always steeped in it heavily. So I'm totally with you. It's, and I love the old, you teach what you most want to learn or we teach what we most want to learn. I had this come up on a call last night with my core group. I call them the, the BDE bros, the big dick energy bros. Your coaching uh, group. It's my co- coaching group. My like all in guys, there's five of us total or six, including me. And once a month, all of us get together on a call. And last night we had that call and we were, as I'm sharing, as I'm coaching, as they're sharing, and we're just having this collaboration, reflecting things back to them. And I do this often as a point of genuine empathizing and sharing like my shit stinks too, <laughs> is I'm constantly learning through y'all. As I'm reiterating something, I'm like speaking to myself. Mm-hmm. This is, yes, it's directed toward you in this container for the purposes of us all getting better. Not just me at you. I'm your coach. Learn from me. It's like, now we're in this together, brothers. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And we'll never, ha- we'll never arrive. You know what I uh, mean? And this whole teach what we so most want to learn and need to learn comes from, you know, where we're recording this the day after both of our moms leave. Yep. And 
We love both of our moms dearly. They're, They're two totally different creatures. But also similar. They are in ways. a lot of ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are in a lot of ways, which is really cool to see. And this was the first time that we had both of our moms in an intimate, you know, for in town for an intimate kind of trip. Yeah. And I thought it was really sweet. And and they stayed with us. And they stayed with us in, in our house. home in Austin. And, you know, we love them so much and they've done so much for us. And we learned a lot of what not to do, especially in relationship through them. And I think that they mostly know that. Yeah. That's something I really appreciate about our moms. We can have those conversations and they generally don't get lost in the sauce of taking things personal or feeling shameful, feeling shameful or avoiding depth in it. Yeah. They are pretty open to going there. And both of our moms have been married, I think five times. Individually, is just five or four? Four or five each. Oh, no, mine's five. Yeah, mine is four or five. Oh, I'm like, I know mine. It's a lot. I'm like, I know mine's five. (laughs) I know yours is either four or five. Yeah. Yeah, so they did things. I just counted it five. It's five. five. Okay, okay. So isn't that wild? (laughs) It's wild. Can you imagine doing this and committing in this way and promising in this way to five different people? Mm, You know, but I, but I, but I think back on, you know, I wasn't around for all five marriages that my mom was a part of. I was only around for two, three, technically. I was around for four, but there was a guy before my dad. That's my sister's dad. And there's my dad, but I was an infant when they got divorced. I was two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't remember them being married. Right. And then there was one that was literally like a few days and and uh, that was crazy. Crazy. I think it was the annulment kind of scenario. Yeah. 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 And then the others were fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) we learned things that we did not want to do in our relationships Mm -hmm. and in a marriage. And I think part, I mean, for me, that is one major contributing factor as to why I waited until after 30 to get married. You know, my mom started racking those up as like 19, 20 years old. You know what I mean? And and most of them were only a couple years long, but you know, what's really beautiful. I think about my mom's story is that she met and found true love right before she turned 50 and she's in her mid sixties now. And so her longest relationship of her life, longest marriage, out of all of them happened basically after 50 Mm -hmm. and they couldn't be more perfect for each other. And we love Ernie dearly bigger so much so that we're like, you know, if she has some screws loose, can we keep you? Like we really, really appreciate him. And so, you know, we've learned things to do and things not to do. And a lot of ways I have my mom to thank for a lot of my gifts and strengths and things that people pride, you know, like, like are proud of in me or impressed by in me and that I even pride myself on. And it just so happens that those things also have a shadow and that shadow sometimes prevents me from being the wife that I desire to be. And so as an example, that would be that I saw a really strong, independent woman who had to take care of her family, pay all of the bills, get childcare, work a full-time dro- job and, and basically do it all. And that's what I learned. I, I learned that men were basically useless. They come and they go, they abandon their children. They don't provide. And, and I learned like, they're basically good for nothing. They just loaf around and like, they just like, what do they actually do? Luckily I had a grandfather that 
was amazing. And, but I still saw my grandmother run the house and, you know, she was the one that had all the responsibility. And so like I saw women holding it all. That's what I understood. And so then translating that into, you know, a relationship, you know, that didn't serve. It served me in my life, but didn't necessarily serve me in my relationships. But then, you know, going into an intentional relationship with you and a more conscious relationship with you, I, I wanted to take a look at how those things were potentially preventing us from going deeper into intimacy and preventing me from letting you in, you know, for the sake of, I can handle it. I can do it. I don't need you. I can all, you know, and, but then also still like, I want to be this feminine creature, but for the most part, it was performative, you know, like I have to try to make that happen or I'm going to do this thing in this way because I know I'm supposed to, and that's feminine, but the energy behind it wasn't congruent and it wasn't authentic. And I would say over the last couple of years, I've really dove in, you know, down the rabbit hole of how do I actually trans, not transition and not maybe transmute is the Uh, more accurate. Stop. You know, how do I, how do I shift from it feeling like I have to force it to, I get to be it. And a big, and, and I'm saying all this, you know, to kind of lead us into where the bulk of our conversation is going to go. And that is, you know, is the idea of, of giving. And I've learned, especially over the last couple of years, that the more that I am available to you and I give to you and not from a place of, I need you to then give back to me, Mm. or I give to you, but not only if you give to me first, you know, just simply giving, giving to you in the way that you love to receive. And for the most part, that's touch and it's words of affirmation. And you, you love to be given an open energy, a feminine energy. And, and I've been really present with that, like I said, over the last couple of years. And so I want to talk about ownership, responsibility, and what it means to selflessly give in the name of intimacy and closeness in a relationship. Because I think so many people are missing those components or they're resentful in their relationships or they think, no, it's, we're too far gone. Our relationship's not just, just not built this way and it's not going to have it. Or woe is me. I have a couple of kids and I'm all touched out and I can't fucking handle, which this is real. And still your relationship deserves and you deserve much better. I'm just making eyes with my wife right Mm -hmm. now. Give me a moment here. I love this woman. She just got her hair cut too. She (laughs) looks particularly cute. And she's wearing one of my favorite onesies that she has. For the ladies listening, I have a free people jumper on and he loves them. Especially when she wears nothing underneath. Right now she's wearing a little something underneath because we're recording video of this. But I wish I'm imagining her when she doesn't wear that underneath. Okay, baby. Beautiful little side boob ski. Do you even remember what we're talking about? (laughs) I am hypnotized by you. Yeah. Of course I remember. Yeah. A very cliche, cheesy, classic quote that comes to mind is the secret to living is giving. And early in my personal development journey, I heard this and it's a Tony Robbins quote, shocker. I was like, wow, that is beautifully simple and profound. And I have found that when I give, when I just genuinely give from a place of love overflow when I'm generous life is so much better and no matter how sad angry maybe even depressed I might feel I feel better 
and it feels really sustainable. And it's one of those things that, and don't get it twisted, if I'm using the guise of giving and overgiving and being a selfless martyr, not what I'm talking about here. There's, there's a very real limit. And yet, I think most people, well, I don't want to generalize. There's just a distinction there that's really important. And I think a lot of times an intimate relationship, there's more of what you're speaking to, the resentment, the when you do this, then I'll give you this. Or the score's uneven right now. I've been giving a lot to you and haven't been receiving in the way I want to. And a lot of this is totally unsaid and swept under the rug and the passive aggressive resentfulness creeps in. And then it just becomes this insidious contempt that builds over time. And I don't want that. I think most people don't want that. And it takes real radical awareness and humility to find when that's even creeping in slightly. And that has creeped in, in our relationship. No question. I think in every relationship on some level that's there and whoever can have the awareness to call that out and, or just embody it and be like, Oh no, I see what's trending and I don't like it. It's unbecoming of us. It's not bringing us together. And I also think of the whole, I want you, but I don't need you type of energy. Like, yes, I want to receive from you. I don't need that. And if I'm coming from the place of not this reciprocity and I'm just giving to you and trusting that I am with someone who will who has that foundational mindset and will come back to it if it's left for a season, then if we're both operating from that place, we will win in the long term. And the aggregate over time, the long run, yeah, again, maybe short little stints and seasons, there'll be tension, but like we will really win. And it just you in particular lately, this in this season, the beginning of like this year, that you've tapped into this just beautiful, unattached, feminine overflowing of giving where you're touching. You've already, you touch me all the time. You like always have in a relationship. You know how much I love that to be scratched, to be like rubbed. And you've been doing that a lot more recently. And, and I, at certain points in our time together, I've maybe thought, felt like, oh, I think she's doing this because she feels like she should or has to. And I don't feel that all from you right now. And that's been just so, it makes me want to do more amazing things for you and just be a better person. It's energizing for me and my, my purpose, my career, my friendships, everything. And so as we're doing that back and forth dance together, our relationship is better than it's ever been. And that's not to say that we're firing on all cylinders in every aspect of our relationship, but our commitment, our foundation, our just general love, respect, and appreciation for each other is massively enhancing. And that feels really, really good. And I love you and thank you. I love you too. Yeah. I ask myself, I ask myself daily throughout, throughout the day, what could I do right now that would bring us closer together? You know, that doesn't necessarily feel cumbersome to me because there's things that I can do that I can sprinkle in throughout the day. Words that I can say to you, touch that I can give to you things that I can do for you that show my love and show my affection and show you the role that you are in my life and show you how much I I truly value you and how grateful I am to you. And I mean, I didn't come into a marriage so that I could have a roommate so that I could live alongside someone entered a marriage with some that I want, someone that I want to build a life with. I spoke vows to you. And in those vows, I spoke about supporting you and caring for you. I spoke about you know, supporting your creativity and 
and and being a certain role. I, I said, I vow. And I think so many people lose touch from the things that they said on their wedding day, you know, if they're married or promises or commitment that they've made and in going into partnership with each other. Or even if it's, you know, they're not that far into their relationship, let's say commitments they made within themselves. You know what I mean? And, and I'll just use our, our vows as the point of reference here, but I have recently started reminding myself, I made these promises for better or for worse. And some days I don't feel great. And some days I'm energetically depleted or some days, you know, it's just like an emotionally challenging day or it's, I have a a big work schedule or something, you know, is like not the most optimal and that's going to happen in life. And we're going to go through hard things, but just because I'm in that space or just because we're going through a hard thing doesn't mean that our closeness has to suffer. And I think for a lot of people, if they don't feel good or they're overwhelmed or they're stressed, they don't have a way, they don't, they don't have a healthy way or make a, a, a decision to have an outlet that is not their partner, the person that they love the most. And so they, they release their frustration onto their partner or, you know, their discomfort, they don't have an outlet for it, or they just feel like shit or whatever the case is, or they're so tired and they just put it onto their partner. And that creates more distance because intimacy, when I think of intimacy, I think of closeness. And so it is the opposite of intimacy. So then they're feeling bad or they're feeling overwhelmed or they're feeling tired and they're feeling alone. And that just exacerbates the whole experience. And so I ask myself throughout the day, what could I do that would bring us even closer together? Because when, and that just is a feeling that we have, not in like physical close together, but a feeling of closeness and I've got you and I've got your back and I love you and I let you in. And And it works like magic, right? When I do that, when I focus on that, you respond accordingly, but I don't do it so that you respond. You just do. And that's a beautiful thing that I get to benefit from. Now, if it got to a place where I was giving in that regard and you didn't have capacity or you weren't cluing in or whatever, I happen to think that if I'm doing it from a really, truly genuine, loving place, you're going to notice and you are going to respond in a particular way. I think if I do it and it's contrived and I do those things and it's a performance or I do those things and it doesn't feel fully congruent, meaning like my energy and my actions and my words all don't fully match. And I, and I do those things and it doesn't maybe feel like I'm totally present with you. Then you don't respond. It might even have a negative effect on our connection. And then to me, I could tell myself, Oh, but I'm doing all these things. Or I'm do I just did this thing for you and you won't, but that's because I had attachment on the reciprocity and an yeah. expectation for the reciprocity. Yeah. And so a recipe for neither of us to feel any closer together. And then you might start feeling something like, she can't even do like this feels like such half ass. What is this about? I'm not even worth her actual time and attention or love. And then it's like, I might as well go be with my friends. I might as well go numb out with insert any vice or any distraction, sport, TV, food, whatever. So there's, there's specifics here. There's nuances here, which is why we're doing a whole episode on this topic because it's, it's, it's more than just, you know, love your partner a little more, do a, do a little more of their love languages. It's more heavily nuanced than that. 
Sex and Love Co. is officially back in bed with Yoni Pleasure Palace. We really are a match made in heaven. YPP continuously amazes me. Once a company known for their Yoni eggs and crystal pleasure wands, they have grown into a truly remarkable brand with many services and additional products like glass, steel, and wood pleasure tools for those of you who like a more natural element in your toy collection, as well as waterproof sex blankets. You know, that's one of my faves. Yoni steam herbs and stools, strap-on harnesses, specialty vibrators, anal toys and prostate massage massagers, water and oil-based lubricants, breast massage oil, menstrual products, and so much more. If you can believe, I have quite a collection of things that fall under the category of adult products. By far, the most impressive part of my collection are the items I have by Yoni Pleasure Palace. Every purchase I make or gift that I give from YPP has an element of sacredness to it, and that truly takes them above and beyond any other brand I've tried or that I've worked with. I've got great news, my love. With our recent recommitment and partnership, Yoni Pleasure Palace has increased my code, that sex chick, from taking 10% off of your order to 15% off your entire YPP purchase. Hell yes. So head to the link in the show notes to add Yoni Pleasure Palace to your collection. And don't forget to use the promo code ThatSexChick at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Yeah, and I'll bring in a different angle to this same topic. I think there is something very beneficial to the fake it till you make it concept in this context in certain scenarios. So you spoke to incongruence and, you know, all these kind of things where, yeah, if that's where it's always coming from, that's going to cause disconnection. And yet, meet yourself where you're at. And if those things are already present, like all the the kind of disconnect, the resentment, those things, then yeah, I need to contrive loving you and showing you my love. And it might feel a little awkward and it might feel forced. And yet, that's where I'm going to start to make it more of a habit, something that becomes a little second nature and something that we are hopefully explicitly collaborating on too. That's going to be right. an important part of it. So you know that I'm trying and I, I want to be better at it. I'm humbling myself and, and asking for some level of guidance and clarity on helps you feel loved from me. Yeah. I, I mo yes. I want to say I agree. And then the next part is like, I mostly agree. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, that it, there is a bit of the fake it till you make it or fake it till you become it, whatever. And so it might feel like I'm performing in some way because <laughs> I'm actually doing something that I feel out of practice with, yep. but the difference is the place that it's coming from. Mm-hmm. One is true. I'm really trying yes. here and Great it's dis- not from, well, I'm trying and it comes from this whiny, defensive martyr place that is like, I'd rather watch paint dry. I'd rather poke myself with a fork. I like go never heard away. You use those sayings. Oh, my mom <laughs> says that. My mom says I'd rather watch grass grow. Actually, but it's more painful than that. Yeah. Like it's painful. Like, no. But if it's truly coming from a I love you and I feel awkward. Yeah. And like you have to check criticism as well because when a person is trying to do something and trying to give, but then the recipient is like, but this isn't good enough. Well, then I'm just gonna retreat. Well, you know, you see, I'm trying. I might as well. I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Yeah. You know that phrase. Yep. And so we don't want to create that reinforced dynamic whatsoever. And an an example, very specific one that comes to mind is when we bust out the massage table and rub each other. 
And it's like a bit of a production and it's focusing. So we'll speak from my perspective. When I'm focusing on your body for 30, 60 minutes or more, there's some resistance that comes up going into it's like, man, this is, I'm focusing a lot of attention and giving you a lot of energy, like putting a lot of my energy into you. And sometimes, probably most times on some level, I'm going into that with a little bit of that forcing. And yet once I get started, I love it. It feels so good. I see how you're responding. And then I start to get into that giving energy that's energizing me as well. And it's a paradox of sorts. And I say this often, giving energy or expending energy creates more energy within me when it's going to a a pure container, if you will. And so I think that's probably the the middle ground that I'm speaking to as we're talking about these different angles is cool. Yeah. I may not feel like I want to do this right now for whatever reason. And yet if I love you and all in, like I say, I am, and I take this commitment sincerely, then I'm going to burst through a little bit of that initial resistance knowing that 99.9% of the time on the other side, we're both better off for it. Yes. So to shift a little bit into more of the radical ownership, because that is a component to the giving where it's like, I can sense that we're not optimal in our connection. And so I am going to take as much ownership as I can for the role that I play and maybe a little disconnect or a little wonkiness or a little whatever. And so I take ownership of the role that I play in forging that bond or forging that connection. But ownership and giving is it goes beyond just giving the other person their physical touch or their, you know, whatever their love language is, quality time, acts of service gifts. It goes beyond that. It goes into dynamics, specifically what you were talking about at the beginning, uh, like you've been speaking with your guys on, is is it goes into just taking general ownership, however much you possibly can, and then some for just about any situation that unfolds, yep. because that then leads to intimacy. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to the people a little on that? Because I know that's been coming up a lot for you, especially in this season of life that we're in, and like you stepping into more husband and father, future father for you and your your role in community with the men in your life and of course with your clients as well. Yeah, this is something that comes up on almost every single call with my guys, individual group. And it's this lifelong effort, I'll call it, or practice of taking radical extreme ownership. And any guys listen to this and, and even women for sure, but in particular for guys, the book by Jocko Willink, Extreme Ownership is amazing. And most people hearing this probably have at least heard that name. He's an intense former Navy SEAL guy, highly decorated, and he's not everybody's cup of tea necessarily, but this book, the the foundation and the principles that it's imparting have had a massive impact on my life. And so the idea here is to take authentic ownership without expectation that the person I'm maybe apologizing to, for example, or owning some sort of shortcoming that came up in our dynamic, in the the human relationship, without them, without manipulating them, quite frankly, into also owning what I think they should own. And this is so important, so I'm going to dissect this a little bit. It's certainly incredibly applicable and intimate relationship. I'm going to give a funny example. We had a pool fiasco the other day where our pool person spoke to my wife in a way that I didn't really like and kind of blew up <laughs> a little. 
It was super weird. Super weird. It was super weird. I got dysregulated. I got a text and I got a little dysregulated. At first, I actually like got the text and I was like, the fuck? And then I just, I wanted to just show it to you. And then you... And they create a little weirdness you, between us. Yeah, where I just wanted you to look at the text and you were like, where am I supposed to be looking? And I'm like, just look at the fucking phone. Like, couldn't understand why you wouldn't just look what I was showing. And so it actually wound up creating like way more dysregulation in my system before. And then I was like, now I need to double down on this. I'm upset about this text and I'm upset about this situation. And I'm going to walk away right now. Uh-huh. And so in my... I'll say subtle toxic masculinity (laughs) messaged him. And I didn't, it wasn't over the top. And yet texting tone can get lost in translation. And so long story short, multiple people ended up getting involved and it blew up into like something well, way beyond what it should have been. And in my mind, I'm like, this is so dumb. And yet I'm like, okay, I have ownership here. What, what could I have done better? Cool. Sit with that. Took about 24 hours after it kind of blew over, but there was still an open loop. And I sent a group voice message to all parties involved, which again, multiple end up getting in the mix here and apologized. And in my apology, I put zero blame for them. I didn't try and sort of make subtle, clever excuses to be like, Yes, I did this. And it was in response to this or because of this. No, 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 no. I'm owning that I could have been better. It's important to me to speak kindly and clearly in all relationships that I have in any capacity. And I fell short here. That was kind of a paraphrase of what I said. And I left it at that. And the response is they received it well. No surprise because I don't need them to take ownership. Just like I don't need my wife to take ownership. Just like I don't need my friends to take ownership for their stuff. That's their journey. If I'm in consistent connection with someone, i.e., my wife who I've committed to for life, I expect, and I would even say on some level, I demand over like, as just a general principle that she is committed to as well, that she will take ownership, but it's not my role to try and make her take ownership and certainly not to manipulate her into finding that. Cause I trust that she's really intelligent and loving and kind and is going to find that. And so when I'm working with my guys and when I'm thinking about this myself, I'm like, okay, cool. Sit with it. Be patient and find the golden nugget of ownership that I get to take and get to be better for instead of, and it's not to say that I'm, I'm not going to go through the internal stories of that process. Yeah, that's, that's my process. And I, with some of my closest friends and, and mentors and people I trust, I will also have more of an open dialogue where I'm just catharting on some level and talking shit even, so to speak, just so I can have that. Right. I'm not doing that with my wife because that's not appropriate to do with my wife. It's going to cause disconnection. That's not her role in our dynamic. Again, my friends, mentors, and guys in particular with me. And then through that, I get to see what settles. What is the ownership that I get to take? What is the, I was going to say high road, but that even has a, like a subtle condescension. Like, I'm going to take the high road here because you're the fucking it's still low passing, road. Yeah. It's still passing responsibility. Exactly. It's not fully taking ownership. Yeah. It's like doing the thing to try and almost make the other person feel bad. It's re- yeah. it's, it's a strange it is. concept, I think. And this is a fine art. It mm-hmm. is. It's just something I'm really, really committed to, especially in this season. And the last thing I'll say for now to this point is we were talking with a couple friends yesterday at a little birthday gathering, and they are parents to two kids. One mm-hmm. is almost three, and he is a hellion. He's <laughs> such an awesome, advanced 
boy, and yet he's a fucking terror. A little. Well, he's bit. just a handful. Yeah, he's a he's a bit of a wild child. He Lots has of some energy. aggressive tendencies, but like he's he's two and a half. Yeah. Like he doesn't know what he doesn't know what he's doing or yeah. why he's doing it or. You know, as an adult looking at a kid, it's like I'm making a story of what all of these things mean and what they are and all of that. And so it's been really it's been really fun watching our friends become parents and process out loud what that journey has been like before we go on the journey. Yeah, for sure. And then they also have a eight month old, something like that little girl. And so, you know, they got two young kids. And what we're specifically talking about is how they are apologizing to the two and a half year old consistently, like daily slash multiple times a day. And they are taking genuine ownership for them, maybe not effectively regulating in response to something that he does. And you might hear that and think that's fucking dumb. Why would you apologize? (laughs) Why would you genuinely apologize to two and a half year old several times a day? Yeah. And yet I think it is such an important practice on both ends. One, this little kid can do so much irrational, outlandish, absurd stuff. And yet I can take ownership for my response to them. Ooh, what amazing training grounds right. for all other aspects of life right. that are maybe not quite as clear where I could, I could very easily say this is unfair. There's so many scenarios in my life where I can be like, you did this thing wrong or you did this thing to me or you, I don't approve of how you're acting right. and I can be justified in that. It's like, I don't want to live like that personally. That's not an empowered, loving high place I like to live from, high vibrating rather. Sure. And and so when they're talking about this and also this two and a half year old kid, those are very formative years, right? They say zero to seven is where the foundation of the psychology of a human comes from more or less. I'm kind of paraphrasing my own interpretation. And so if he's getting used to people taking ownership and in particular his parents who are you know, providers, his leaders, and they have that level of humility and clarity, he's in for, he's got some really good role models. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we were talking about how a number of us grew, man, I can't, I won't say that I'm in this category. I certainly don't remember being placed in this category, but a lot of our our friends in the conversation unfolded uh, as like parents would be aggressive or would shout or would even be physical, but it, but the response was, I did, if you wouldn't have done X, Y, Z, then I wouldn't have hit you. Yeah. If you wouldn't have backtalked, oh, you don't like not having your phone, your favorite item or whatever, you shouldn't have said blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a, you did this and now I do this in response because you deserve to be punished. Yeah. And two wrongs don't make a right. Right. And so we are not parents, you know, we've got dogs, doesn't count, you know, in this, in this regard. And so we have no idea what it's going to be like to have a teenager and like, what are we going to say? And what are we going to do? You know, like it's so tough. I know that it's for not sure. going to be perfect, but, but I, I feel at this point, even just watching our friends do that, if I can just take ownership for my side of how I react. Now, throughout the years, I'm sure I'm going to hear from so many different people. I'm going to get so much unsolicited advice from family, from other friends, from people on the internet that are going to be like, you need to do it this way. You need to do that. This is how you punish. This is how you reprimand. And it's like, well, in some regard, it's like, yo, what the fuck else are you supposed to do? Like I did a thing that's not cool. So like, (laughs) Something's got to happen. And in my reaction to that something, 
am I overwhelmed? Am I complete nervous system dysregulation to the point where I shout to the point where, you know, I'm aggressive with my energy. I won't say like physical, but like how, what, whatever my reaction is to the thing, mm. you know, how could I take more and more and more personal responsibility? And I think we're, we're practicing that now and hopefully it will translate when we do become parents and who knows what that's going to be like. I, you know, try really hard now when I'm dysregulated with you, but it's like, okay, well, if I need to take space from you, then I can go and get that. But when it comes to two-year-old, I can't take space if, if I'm the only one that's with them. You know what I mean? So like, this is not a podcast that's all about like how to parent your kids. Well, this, no, but it is. We're going to parentless Lex and I. Are no, we're not. We're sure as shit not. <laughs> like we're not doing that. I think that it's just the broader conversation of how do you take ownership and how do you give from a place of love and kindness and compassion? Because ultimately with the people that you care about, you want to be in closeness with them. You want to be in intimacy with them. Yeah. Yeah. Our dogs farted. So <laughs> Lex is making a face. So smelly. It does not smell good. No. Mouth is open and everything. So bad. So bad. <laughs> anyway. So I think that that mostly rounds out like our, our message for the day. Yeah. What do you think? I think so. I feel like we really hammered this point home. And mm -hmm. once again, it's very present for me, for you, for us in our relationship and in all aspects of our lives. I just, I don't see this being talked about all that much mm -hmm. and the really important nuances and, uh, implications of living life in this way. I think that it's just really important. I'm glad that we're dissecting it a bit. Yeah, today. I'm glad too. I think one, one last little thing that just kind of, you know, I, f I feel in my peripheral is the idea that, you know, let's say we go through a challenging thing, like, you know, for us at the end of 2022 it was a miscarriage and I was in it more than you. Mm -hmm. And so you took that as an opportunity to give more and to take even more ownership in that regard, because I, because you care about me and I was going through a hard thing. It wasn't like I took care of you while you were sick or while you were sad. So now that you're better, can't you take care of me? Or like, can you show, you know, step up or it's not like, yeah, it's the keeping score thing. And so just that reminder of like, sometimes things are really hard and you need your partner to really show up and step up in those kinds of ways. And what do you do when, when they're not, and you need, you know, these are conversations that you need to be having. And I think that there's so many people that live life next to the person that they've promised forever with, but they're, and they're talking about logistics and what's going on and where the kids need to go or like what's going on in their life. But they're not necessarily talking about the quality of their intimacy and how supported they feel by the other person, you know, and the only time they might, they might share is when their capacity and they're fed up and it's this shameful, critical kind of conversation. These things need to be talked about from a place of love, kindness, and compassion more frequently and really vibing with this, like things also don't need to be over-processed, you know, like I'm just seeing that kind of fuck with some of our people that yeah. we're close with or that we're, we're, you know, I'm coaching in some of my coaching containers where I'm like, don't talk to him about this again. Like legitimately you got to talk with your girlfriends or you need to like, stop Yeah, journal, write to God. Oh, that's good. That's, <laughs> you know, like this is enough. Yeah. It's or, or, or your therapist struggle. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or self-sabotage or like totally. all those things like now. Mm -hmm. Totally. 
let it go. So yeah, I just wanted to like throw in that little piece too. Like you need each other and you need each other more at different times. And sometimes, you know, like our, one of our mentors, Annie Lala uses the, the metaphor of you both have the backpack of life, you yeah. know, like strapped in and you're on a hike on the journey. Mm. And occasionally on that journey, one of us is going to get tired and the pack is going to be too heavy. The burden of life is going to be too heavy. And so the other person is going to go, you know what? I got it. And they're going to strap my pack on, you know, you're going to strap my pack onto your front and you're going to have a load on the front and the back. And you're just going to carry it for a while while I rest. And maybe you roll your ankle and I got to carry it for you. a while. Maybe and me carry you as well. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> why not? You know, I don't know if that was a part of the metaphor, not the original metaphor, but you know what I mean? Like, and then you trust though, that it's not just going to be because I take, I also take personal responsibility for the role that I play in life and wanting to be your partner and wanting to be that giving wife to you. And so it's, you trust that in me that when I, when I'm ready, I'm going to take my pack back. And if you also need a break, I can take a little of yours too. And so, and I think that, you know, us continuously having conversations about it and I don't know, grabbing microphones and talking to the people about it helps us, you know, just remember it reminds us like this is really important to continuously evaluate where we're at in our intimacy and connection. Yeah. Thank you for that. I just had this thought, phrase, feeling of you don't have to earn my love. Mm-hmm. You, there's nothing you could, should do for me to show you how I love you often. And there's a ton of things that I could do that would prevent you. Like there's a ton of things that I could do that would make it harder for you. You could do anything and everything for me because you love me. And it's a choice that I would make that would prevent letting it in. It's, it's that's also my responsibility. To perceive, baby. My responsibility to check the bullshit or to work on my own individual healing or to do whatever it takes in order for your love to be let in. Oh. I love you, green eyes. I love you, hazel eyes, amber eyes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, I think that's good for today. So then if you had to ask our listeners a question, that's like a reflective, introspective question based off of today's conversation, what would it be? Are you giving 100%? And specifically, is there this unconscious story running in the background that I give 50% and my partner gives 50% and it's this back and forth transactional reciprocity kind of energy or is it, nope, I'm just always giving hundred percent, just always giving, giving. And it's like this flow that I trust will flow and will be, it's not going to be stagnant. Are you giving a hundred percent? Dare I say 110%? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, can't, it's not possible. And then mathematically impossible. Yes. And then my question is, what are some ways that you can give a little more to the people that you care the most about and not from a place of like, you're so depleted, you have nothing else left to give. That's also something that you get to take responsibility for and make changes in your life. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to. And you could respond to my voice coming out of the speakers right now and say, yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, but yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know my situation. You don't know my relationship. And you're right. And as long as you have that response, it's going to feel shitty for you. As long as you adopt the yeah, but dot, dot, dot. 
there's nothing we can do. There's nothing you can do. That's the victim martyr thing that we were talking about. And like life is fucking tough sometimes. And there's absolutely some things that you can do, some choices that you can make to where you're not living your life from an absolutely empty cup. And there's a small possibility that by you giving from a loving place to the people that you care about in your life, specifically your romantic partner, your intimate partner, that you might create more energy inside Mm. of you and your cup might then get a little bit more full. So what are some ways slash how can you be more giving in your relationship? And what are some ways that you can take even more radical ownership for your intimacy, your connectedness, your closeness, and your overall life? Yeah. That's good, baby. All right, people. See you later. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.